episode 59 where we'll be discussing episode 23 the penultimate episode of season three which is called insatiable karen and i are joined by our friendly team member donya as our special guest this week so hello everyone hello hi hi um (laughs) and it's our our final uh guest host of the season before next week where we will have the listener voted guest host from your entries that are up online now for voting. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us on Twitter or email or Tumblr, as usual, please do. Our Twitter is natwpodcast. Our email is natwpodcast at gmail.com and our Tumblr is notanotherteenwolfpodcast.tumblr.com. So, yeah, feel free to give any feedback you'd like to. We've got some great feedback at the end of this episode from our social media followers, and we always want to hear from you and talk to you, especially if you're not anonymous, because we want to make friends with everyone. So this episode, quite a big deal, obviously. You know, quite a lot happened. Bit of drama, you know, just a bit. And, uh... (laughs) Sorry. Understatement of Uh, the year. Yeah, um, I was just thinking that exactly. <laughs> but uh, we'll uh, go into it first, uh, just with our favourite quotes, as as per usual, which are all a bit more light-hearted than the episode uh, ended up being, I think, <laughs> which is probably a good thing, you know, to just distract from the uh, tragedy. But, yeah, I was glad to see this week the return of proper styles even if he's in a brand new styles body because i've missed his ridiculous dynamic with isaac which is just one of my favorite things on the whole show i never expected it to be this amazing but i loved uh, when they were trying to basically talk to meredith the banshee from Iken house in scott's room and they're kind of sitting off to the side having a whispered conversation and Isaac's sort of going, I'm just saying, and Style says, no, Isaac, we're not going to torture her. He's like, I meant scare her. We're not going to psychologically torture her either. And Isaac's just like, fine. And I just, <laughs> Isaac and Styles, man, their dynamic is just, I just never would have thought that it would be this good. And it's so funny. And I just, I just love it. And I think I've seen a few Tumblr posts around this subject going around, but I also thought of it all by myself in that on the day that, Styles and Isaac realize that they can be like douchebaggy partners in crime. 
Uh, it'll be like Scott goes away for a night from Beacon Hills and he'll come back and found out that like Styles and Isaac have like robbed a bank or started a drug <laughs> cartel or like something like <laughs> ridiculous, like set something on fire, like stolen a car or something like, because they're just so, I don't know, bickery and both kind of much bigger jerks than Scott is. And I just, they amuse me so much. So I'm glad that we have Styles back. For, you know, many reasons, but mainly so he could be funny with Isaac. (laughs) (laughs) They were great scenes. I do. I love it when they're together. I really, really do. And I'm the same as you. I didn't expect that I'd enjoy it so much Mm. because I kind of have uh, a lot of polarizing opinions about Isaac. Like, I, I will sometimes really love him and think he's really on point and really funny. And he's like... He he almost voices sometimes my feelings if I were to be a character in the show as well. But then sometimes I'm just like, no. <laughs> so it's kind of, I go from one side of the spectrum to the other. So w- him with Styles, I, I really enjoy that. So I was so glad that you picked <laughs> Isaac and Styles. And uh, you, you had Isaac as well for your career. I did have Isaac as well. <laughs> yeah, I had to pick the the little quote from when they're kind of they're all stood around and they're all like uh they've all gotten together that this big group where they can like achieve anything together and look at the last time they all came together and they saved Malia and all that and they're just like talking about why they're there and Isaac's just like I just didn't feel like doing any homework (laughs) and in an episode (laughs) where where we already knew that like I was really tense watching the whole episode because we already knew what was going to happen in this episode without actually knowing Mm. the particulars. It just, there were like little moments that kind of broke the tension for me. And that was one of them. And I really, really liked it because I was like, it felt like I could breathe again just for like a second. (laughs) Imagine if uh, he'd been the one who died and that had been his last line. Oh my God. No. Well, he wouldn't have to do homework anymore. Oh my <laughs> god. <all>. No homework <laughs> anymore. Oh no. god. Anyway, uh, another person I was genuinely worried for in this episode in terms of how much I loved him and I thought, oh my god, they're making us love him a lot and he's going to die, was Coach. And you had one of his lines, Karen. Yes, Coach was amazing. I have so many feelings about Coach. I, I do as well. I don't oh, know I where they Coach. came from. Like, I've always liked him, but in dang, that, it's it, just so good what they, like, did with him in such a short exchange with that head orderly. In the last season, I think, in my opinion, that I think that they've actually played him as, now that we've seen him more as a teacher rather than a the coach, if you know what I mean, because we haven't had lacrosse in this season. And so for him to be there, it's when he's actually dealing with the students as a teacher. They've actually made him out to be a really, really, really good teacher, as I've said before. Like, it's, yes, he was, like, a bit, you know, you, you, you had that bit where he was kind of being, like, you know, un-PC about the nut house, but he wasn't being sarcastic. And everything else he was saying, except for that word, was, like, so nice and calm and genuine he's so good with kids and he's so cool and I just love him but yeah Karen sorry do you want to go ahead with your your actual quote 
Yeah, this is when um, he tasers the the head orderly, and she just says, this school has a very strict no-bullying policy, and it was just absolutely perfect, and you kind of get the feeling that he's been wanting this revenge on whoever this random dude is from his past for, like, 20 years or something <laughs> like that, yeah. and it was just such... It was such a good scene, like that whole exchange between all of them. And, you know, Orny Adams is a comedian, like he's a stand up comedian. And this is his real I think this is his very first acting job. And Coach is extremely over the top and he's there for the comedic relief. But at the same time, they've given him this little snippet of a backstory that just makes me want to know more and kind of gives you an insight into what he's thinking and, and yeah, how he feels about the kids and the students. He doesn't hate them as much as he says he does. Like that's all just a front. And I think what he's able to do really subtly with the way that he was like not looking the head orly in the eyes and just his few lines and his like deliverance of those lines was just really actually amazing. Yeah. I actually really, I was surprised. I mean, by, even the scene where he first sort of is talking to Meredith and that whole bit where he's like, he's sort of trying to get her story out of it. Obviously you have the, the cute Danny bit of him being like coach. It's uh, not the correct term to say insane asylum anymore, but just him aside from that being like sort of taking what she says seriously. Like obviously he thinks that she's still a mental patient, but, he's sort of not being like, oh, you know, sarcastic and weird about it. He's like, oh, that must be terrifying. Like, what what's going on for you right now? And it's it's genuine. And I just, he he knows how to handle people. And I just, I love him. And I, yeah, I think there's so much depth of character there. And I want, like, fan fiction about his weird past with this guy who is <laughs> clearly, like, a high school bully or something. There. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah. That car- that orderly. I know he has a name. Um, what is it? Brewski or Brunski or something. Uh, he is evil. Why didn't he die? He's like, <laughs> I- I'm still in shock that this is meant to be a real character and not meant to be like some crazy monster. If you know what I mean. That this is like, yeah. I'm still like really like they're not gonna pull something out of the hat here and like have this be like someone possessed or have it be some figment of imagination. Because I'm like, I can't believe they're having this as a real meant to be a real person that's that awful yeah i mean i think i'd like to think that even if it wasn't his childhood enemy that he would have coach would have been super unimpressed with him uh you know being so gleeful about tasering a young girl so Mm -hmm. yeah well i mean we've seen coach and his reactions to like i like his kids so the the kids on the lacrosse team are his kids so you know stuff like when Isaac was uh, in the hospital and yeah he's you're gonna sign it and you're gonna make and... a, a message so beautiful it'll bring a tear to coach's eye yeah <laughs> yeah exactly that sort of thing and then when Styles is missing and he's like you know the second you hear something you you let the nearest teacher know yeah like these are his kids and so you know even being able to just extend that to someone who isn't in that almost that branch of like people he's trying to protect because as a teacher I guess you kind of do get very protective about the kids that you're teaching and you're looking after because you know you kind of you see them through quite a large portion of their lives yeah so it's it kind of becomes almost instinct I guess for him to 
have to protect them, uh, especially from someone who's. I mean, you can't go and taser someone. You can't. You just can't do that. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's not cool. Coach can taser the orderly. That's totally cool. You can yeah, do that. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> <sighs> can we just spend the whole rest of this podcast talking about coach yeah, it's like oh, oh. <laughs> and then the last five seconds oh yeah allison died by like, yeah okay <laughs> see you guys next week <laughs> yeah uh okay well anyway getting into the actual discussion uh before we get to yeah that whole big scene that i'm sure we all have lots to say about um quite a few other things happened and the first one was that Deaton debugs Isaac, Ethan, and Aiden. He literally pulls the flies from their mouth. And the only thing that I could think of this whole time was like, Isaac's just going to bite him and Deaton's going to become a werewolf. And like, what's going to happen? He's not an alpha. He can't become a werewolf. Oh, that's right. Oh, well, that solves that (laughs) problem. But yeah, but but just the way that he was like, Isaac, you're next. And Isaac was kind of like, oh, hell no. Kind of, he was like, no, I don't want to. But what about Derek? Who pulled the bug out of Derek? Chris. Chris? Did he? Chris totally did the thing. I hope so, but uh, I hope it's not just like, oh, Derek's still creepily possessed. Like I that- don't know, seeing <sighs> seeing as uh, Derek went off on his need to help people thing again, I don't think he's probably. Well, it was anymore. so weird, Derek. So like when Derek left Chris's in the list <laughs> in the in the lift, was that meant to be like an extension of the like I'm a burn your family scene, or was that like he just came up in the lift to say something and then was like, okay, bye, and then went back down in the lift again? Like I don't understand. Was it meant to be him leaving after that occurrence right then? I think so. He was wearing, well, I guess it would make sense if he was still wearing the same clothes. But yeah, I assumed that that was like them saying goodbye after everything that happened. (laughs) No hard feelings. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Chris. Yeah. Chris and Derek, Chris in general is a big part of the reason why... I think that it is actually valid as a character thing that Allison died rather than the Argents just left again because I feel like it wasn't a matter of, well I mean we'll get into that but I feel like it wasn't a matter of oh we're just moving these people on like it was one person who wanted to leave and I think that like Chris has enough of his own story and connection now for him to still actually be a really solid part of the plot. So, I mean, that might have been why they've been playing up this Derek bromance now, like, that he they're going to be, like, this dream team from now on. Maybe Derek <laughs> will move in with him. Which I think is really cool. Not the idea of Derek moving in with him. That's kind of <laughs> weird. That's... But, um, you know, the fact that, yeah, Chris does kind of have his own story now and his own things to deal with, and I think just the fact that he has this weird random but kind of awesome connection with Derek is something that is going to be really cool to explore going forward just because of not only the past between the Hales and the Argents but just in general the past between hunters and werewolves and how all of that's going to play out and the different things that were said between Chris and the other hunting the leader of the other hunting group and stuff I think it's just going to be Really interesting to see how they weave his story into the main plot without yeah. Allison. I think Derek is uh, going to become like his child. Not like, you know, not like a little child. Like, 
Yeah. But I think it's going to become like a very pseudo father-son relationship. Like, oh, you have no family. I have no family. Let's have each other. You can be my new dad. Kind of, maybe not in those words, but I think that it's going to become like a big, oh, we're so there for each other kind of thing. I've got a really strong feeling and that would be I, interesting. I think them supporting each other would be a really, really interesting thing to explore, especially considering the history that they have with each other so far. Yeah. And I mean, especially, especially considering that scene from the last episode, because it was very, very clear that Chris does care for him yeah. in his own, in his own way. I think it's already those feelings are already there. It's already got the groundwork now. And I'm sure um, I was gonna say I'm sure people will start shipping it as well. Oh, they're already there. I just, <laughs> yeah, I, just, I don't know. They, they were probably already there like a long time ago. To be fair, <laughs> yeah, but they have new, new, uh, new material, yeah. a new, a new take yeah. on it now. Yeah, I think it, it it's gonna, it's definitely gonna be. A really interesting relationship to explore going forward especially considering the outcome of this episode though a side note like really really briefly does are you guys aware of the the tumblr account uh like i'm Derek hill and my family is dead yeah yeah it took a grand total of maybe 20 minutes before i'm chris argent and my family is dead oh, popped no. Out. Oh, no. so uh let's let, let's watch out for those two tumblr accounts interacting <laughs> awesome well it's really always that gerard so i've just had a really awesome thought and i don't think this is gonna be a thing but like mm. you know how chris was like that's not possible about the person with the whoever's sh- like the bullets that he looked at like they clearly had some mark on the bottom of it what if it's victoria yeah. i don't know how it would work because allegedly she killed herself or whatever and he was there and stuff but maybe she is still a werewolf and she's like a werewolf hunter and like like she's she's still a hunter but she's a werewolf and she's like the anti-werewolf werewolf and i don't know how this would work but i know that they've said that they were really annoyed that they decided to kill victoria because they actually really miss what they could do with the character so I don't know how it would come back, but imagine if it was that. I, She'd be like the blade of werewolves. It'd be like Catelyn Stark in in Game of Thrones, like just keeps coming back. Yeah, no, it, I I would love to see Victoria Argent come back. I really, really would. Like some kind of werewolf enforcer, kind of. Yeah, like what if those people are her family and like she kind of was like lying dead in the morgue and then was like oh actually I'm awake or whatever and like managed to you know go off and be like hey mum soz but I'm a werewolf what do I do now and they like <laughs> were like well we're gonna just repress your werewolf side and you're still gonna be a hunter I don't know I don't, I don't know how that would work but and I don't know oh, if they had a boy. funeral for her and like all of that but yeah okay before life, we yeah, we go down the winding path <laughs> even more <laughs> Let's talk about throw-up styles, which is what people are calling the real styles, and <laughs> I love it. I'm just going to call him the new styles. <laughs> um, I'm really glad that he's back. Like, once the Oni came and marked him, it was such a relief to finally know, like, what was real and what was not real. It was a long time coming. Yeah. It's good that they did, you know, they did the Oni thing, but then... I mean, it was a little bit upsetting, I guess, 
you know, when he's lying in Scott's bed and Melissa is checking him and she's kind of like scared to touch him. And I don't know if that's just because she's scared of the Nagitsune or because she's scared that he's like this freaky brand new person. But that kind of made me sad. She was scared to touch him. Well, after what the other one said to her and, and how it tricked her so much, that didn't really surprise me. But it was sad just to see her like reach for him and then pull back. And he was like, you could see Styles was just so he felt so guilty about it. And he was like trying to say sorry with his eyes. And he knew that like nothing was ever going to be enough. <sighs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Feelings. So he's like a brand new person, but he's the real Styles. Like we've just—it's so weird. I have no idea how that works. <laughs> yeah, me either. It, I, I wonder yeah. if we're gonna get any of those like Buffy style Dawn. Like technically, I'm only two years old. Kind of jokes in the next season or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Um, that would be kind of funny. So. Uh... Let's talk about probably my favorite scene from this episode, which is so dumb because it was like two seconds long, but I'm really, really excited about this for no other reason than it's just about Deputy Parrish because he says that he was drawn to Beacon Hills. He left his previous job and decided to come to Beacon Hills because something drew him there. So is this confirmation that he's supernatural? Yes. I was a bit weird. I that's that's what I took from it as well. I was like, a bit weirded out that the sheriff like was like sort of suddenly got all sus, like you're a good guy, Parish, that's what they said at your old job, they didn't say why you left or anything. Like they were kind of, like he started getting a bit like to me the sheriff sounded like slightly suspicious. I don't know, but <laughs> but yeah, Parish, I think that there is definitely something what do you think he could be, though? Do you think he's something new, or do you think he could maybe be, like, a werewolf? Son of Peter. Oh, God. I think Camden Leahy. Really? Yeah. Well, they, he said he was in the army, right? Yeah. Right. And that's, like, Camden... Wasn't it, like, said that Camden was, like, killed in action in the army? Yeah. Yeah. So, but he was a little bit older, I think. Like the other people were all a little bit. How old was? No, I thought. I thought. Like I think someone worked out how old Camden would have been. Like those other people show. were in his class. Like how? Yeah. yeah. So he would have been twenty-four. <laughs> which Parrish made a point of saying on the bus. Okay, I've with... literally just typed into my phone like Camden Leahy in terms of. Like, I, I just put it in my Google search, and I've never searched him before. And literally the third hit in terms of, like, auto-filling, it was, like, Camden Leahy, um, Teen Wolf, Camden Leahy, Deputy Parish. So this is clearly a thing people think. Yeah. It, I don't know. It kind of makes sense. But would he be supernatural already? Isaac wasn't when he became a werewolf. Like, why would that mean he was drawn there? Unless he was, like, just saying it because he, you know, he knew Isaac was there and he wanted to. Yeah. But... I don't know, he could be a different kind of shapeshifter. We don't know what they're going to move into in the next season yet, do we? Like, they I tend think... to tackle different mythologies of, like, different kinds of shapeshifters. So... Yeah, from what I've heard, I think we're going to move into, like, South American stuff, but there's no guarantee if that's going to be, like, the whole season or if that's just something they're doing in a couple of episodes or even if that's the case at all, but... I would, I, I mean, obviously, we're just 
guessing here because we really have no evidence whatsoever that he is something supernatural other than saying specifically, I was drawn here, which seems kind of ominous and related to the Nemeton. But I would love to see him be something other than like something new, something we haven't seen before, just because I'm always interested in finding out what else exists in the Teen Wolf world. Yeah. Why would Camden, if it is Camden, Jesus, you give me a whole a whole thing to think about. Why would he go <laughs> off and like pretend to be killed in action and like come back like? And has he seen Isaac? Has Isaac seen him? And maybe like maybe it's like Camden, like his brain, like or consciousness, like in like a different <laughs> body, like some sort of shapeshifter, like. Surely people would know it was him. I don't know. I'm I'm anxious now. Thanks a lot. Like <laughs> that's, that's okay. You're welcome. I don't know. I kind of think in a way it's not that he was pretending to be like killed in action or missing in action. I think it's more like he did actually go missing, whether he was taken by something or something happened to him. He did go missing and was presumed dead. Because you're, you're presumed dead after, or you're declared dead after a certain amount of time, right? And what, did he, like, forget who he was, or, like, like how did he come back and get into the army? Like, I don't, I, into oh. the police force, like, without any, like, I, anyway, I don't know, I don't know, far out, <laughs> oh, okay. I just keep thinking about Isaac and how much he could use an older brother, and how amazing he that would be to not. have... He does, but I think Scott and him are on more equal footing than he would be with somebody like Camden. And to just have an actual family member back, like, imagine how much that would mean to Isaac. I suppose. And imagine, like, Parrish, I was about to say Camden, Donya, you're killing me. (laughs) Parrish is such, like, an automatic good guy and Isaac is such a douche. And can you imagine him being like, Isaac, you must be nicer to people and stuff. Yeah, that's the thing, though. Like, I I have a feeling that is kind of what Camden was like. I don't know if that's anything that we know about, but I've always kind of imagined him as being... The golden boy. Yeah, like the upright, older older son i don't know anyway uh man just going off on a lot of tangents tonight um but styles shows up and we get the styles and sheriff reunion and i cried during this because of lyndon ashby and you know sheriff still just basically throwing his chair out of the way and running over to styles and it was so gratifying to see the relief on his face and just to kind of like finally get them to hug each other and know that it truly is really styles yeah it was it was nice like the little nod that scott gave being like yep this is the real one we're all good and uh it's just weird to think that he's like had you know been seeing styles the whole time i mean then he gets nice styles but like that he's just hasn't been with his child oh Every every scene with Styles and the Sheriff just gets me. It's like a gut punch every single time. It's just, ah, uh, it's so good. It's such a good relationship on the show, and it's one of my favorite ones that they do. But linking it forward to, like, the scene a little bit, like, further into the episode where Styles is in a lot of pain, and it's kind of revealed that he's in... 
do you think he was in pain in this scene and he just grit his teeth and let his dad hug him as hard as he possibly could just because he knew that would make him feel better? I don't know. I mean, he did seem to progressively get worse, but possibly. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't not believe it. Like. Yeah. I was just like, oh, oh. <laughs> like thinking and looking back and just thinking, oh, no. Mm. That's that. I don't know if that make it worse or if that like makes me feel more things (laughs) i think that makes sense though i mean styles there's no way styles would be like okay dad we're done you know not after everything (laughs) that his dad's been through so that's interesting yeah so in this same scene we get the reveal that meredith is in fact a banshee which i think was a pretty strong um opinion among a lot of people before this happened so were you guys surprised by this or did you sort of see it coming uh i wasn't surprised i think that it was a pretty clear indicator and i actually i don't know if they'd confirmed it i mean they said that we were going to see another banshee i don't know where that information came from specifically but it just made a lot of sense it wasn't a huge reveal for me (laughs) Yeah, the same. Uh, I wasn't particularly surprised, um, especially after the scene at um, Icon House where she's on the phone. Because uh, didn't we also get a scene where like the phones weren't connected? Yeah. So, you know, it kind of it 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 was basically putting that together. It 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 couldn't have been anything else. I mean, she had to have been hearing something, and the only other kind of thing that we've had with being able to hear voices is with Lydia being a banshee so I kind of like figured that was probably what they were hinting at with that scene. Something that comes up with her later in the sort of banshee powers uh, was interesting and again I don't remember if this is just meta or if it was something that was being talked about in an interview or whatever but it did also seem to confirm like we don't really know how the banshee powers work but this did kind of seem to confirm that banshees kind of hear other banshees rather than dead people I don't know how this works but you know the way Meredith said like if you know if she tells me like it seems like the voices that they hear are of other banshees maybe of ones of the past or even whatever that it's not sheerly dead people's voices or whatever that it's actually all the banshees of the world are all connected and basically screaming in each other's ears constantly so that must be yeah that actually all of that information about the banshees that we learned ahead of time came from jeff on wolf watch so he he definitely did say that it was other banshees which was really interesting to me i i had assumed that it was like the dead people too although later on when lydia is down in the tunnels I kind of got the sense that maybe it was those people that she was hearing. So maybe they can hear both. But the Banshees talking to each other in that way is definitely a thing. Yeah, it's uh, handy, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) So moving on, we get a scene where Ethan and Aiden are being shot at. They're running through the woods looking for Lydia and somebody just starts to open fire on them using Wolfsbane bullets. And the first thing that really jumped out at me was that Derek is the one that saves them. I think this is so interesting considering how much he just does not trust them and he just, he's 
he's kind of got this like superiority thing about them, which I don't think we can blame him for because he is willing to fight and die for Scott and the twins, I think have proven in the past that they, they just want to survive. So him being willing to do that, I think shows a lot of character on Derek's part. I mean, why were they running through the woods and getting shot at? Were they looking for Styles or, or Lydia? They were, were looking they, for Lydia. They were tracking, yeah. but I was like, what, why are they running? Like, is this just how they track things? Like, while running, not like while carefully, carefully sniffing? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, you know, <laughs> you, you imagine search dogs and they're not like running while like, you know, they're kind of like on different trees. Yeah. Sorry, that was the running. That trade is sniffing. The running thing, the thing that got me is that if the Nogitsune had gone through the woods with Lydia and had, like, been taking her through that way, if they were running, they'd have probably just, like, kicked up all of her tracks and their tracks and covered over a load of stuff. Like, they wouldn't have been, like, paying that much attention because there's more than just smell. Like, they have heightened, they have other senses that are heightened as well and for for a couple of people who were former alphas, that that's kind of a little bit short sighted of them to rely on just one sense. They just looked like they were running them. from something. They literally just looked like yeah. they were running away. I, I didn't realize that they were meant to be tracking her until they kind of said it. It was weird. So speaking of them getting shot at, though, yeah. I mean, we learn a little bit later on that. Well, Chris looks at the bullets, and it's it's like a shotgun shell that he finds, and he says, now I think he says it wasn't Mariah, and we're assuming that's the leader of the South American hunters, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Derek seems to be familiar as well, like, oh, it doesn't look like her shells, yeah. and yeah, the, the woman that we thought might either be his mother or Victoria's mother, you know, whoever she is, the that lady uh, and then he kind of says, yeah, that's not possible. And he kind of looks at it and note that this is after, like, a, a while after we've seen the scene with Allison and Chris uh, making bullets or whatever, like, with the crest on them. Like, so we're assuming that this has got someone else's signature on it, if you know what I mean, that that's what he's identifying, mm-hmm. because we've seen that they, they apparently do that with their special bullets or whatever. So... Someone's shooting at them, and that's not possible. So, who do we think? Gosh, I don't know. What if it has like his crest on it? Uh. Does he have another sister? Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> she crazy too. Um. So yeah, I mean. Save Derek. Do we? <laughs> Kate or Victoria or Gerard, maybe Gerard's all healed and is out there oh, shooting at shooting at werewolves, mm-hmm. just hanging out in the woods shooting werewolves. Like, yeah. I mean, to be perfectly honest, I don't think that this is the case. But when he picked up that shell and we really got a good look at it, my first thought was of Kate, just because like we've seen her use weapons like that before. Not that other hunters wouldn't use weapons like that, but that was where my mind went first. So. I don't know if we're really meant to know who it's going to be, that maybe this is just going to be one of those things that is going to lead us into the next season, and we'll find out then what exactly is going on. Maybe it was Malia. Maybe it was Mr. Tate. Mm. Maybe they're secret werewolf hunters now. I don't know. It's... (laughs) 
<sighs> but yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, Isaac and Allison find Lydia's car in the next scene. And while this is sort of significant because Lydia leaves a message to not, fi- to not find her, uh, the big scene here is between the two of them because they talk about the fact that they did have sex that night before. Well, I guess Isaac was kind of crazy. Um, it I was after it- he was... Yeah, I'm. I'm sorry. Uh, was I getting the timing on this right? It was after he swallowed the fly, or it went in his yes. ear, or whatever, right? Like, yeah. Because when he yeah. at the hospital, and then he came over, and he was there, and then they yep. had sex, and then she, he left her handcuffed to the bed. Yeah. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so did he lie, or was it like he thought it was him? No, because Styles remembers everything that he did. So I think Isaac was there and I mean he wasn't necessarily himself, but he does remember everything. I don't think that yeah. was a lie. I don't I don't know if, if and it's it's that really this is such a difficult thing to like kind of like toe the line of, but you know, did he just say it to make her feel better? Well, I don't know, because Danny and Ethan as well had the same thing, and it was almost like the fly thing gets worse, if you know what I mean. Like, at first, you know, you, yeah. when when the fly infects Derek, at you know, when Peter's there, he doesn't, when they're talking about the chest, he doesn't instantly start throwing gasoline around, you know? Like, I feel like, <laughs> it, I feel like it might make them, as we kind of said, those flies seem to make, it, it's not like they're possessed, but it seems to make people act on their very intense private feelings, if you know what I mean. And Mm -hmm. so it's like, you know, Mm -hmm. on another day, Ethan and Danny might not be like, let's have sex in the showers at school. Uh, That's probably not a good idea. But on this day, Ethan wanted to, so they did, if you know what I mean. Like, and it doesn't mean that it was like, a. there's no point of something possessing, you know, Ethan just to have sex with Danny. It's more, I think, that they were just more acting on their impulses that they would have before. Like, it is still themselves. So heightened emotions and... And so it was Isaac. But I was trying to work out if they were talking about the night when he'd already been possessed by the fly, because she said the night before the night you weren't you. And it's like, well, well, he he was in the hospital and the fly possessed him, so it was always... I, I got really confused, if you know what I mean, like... You know, in the morning, he decided that he was really crazy and was going to handcuff her to the bed. But... But yeah, I was a bit confused by that. I'm not gonna not gonna lie. So I don't know if it was like just to make her feel better, but you know, I he feels like it was him, I suppose. Like, I, but I think he mm-hmm. felt like all of what he was doing was him. It was just it wasn't like I know that I'm possessed. It was his own heightened emotions, stuff that he wouldn't yeah. actually act on. Yeah, I agree with that. The next scene is when Meredith shows up in Coach's class, and we did already talk about this quite a bit and how awesome Coach is, but apparently the other girls have some things to say about healthcare. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) sorry. Um, Number one, can I just say, who was it that said that uh, they were going to love it if Coach uh, went around the whole time you yeah. know, from now on going on about like his arrow wound and showing it to people. Yeah, that was me. When he, when, when he was, okay, the opening bit where he was saying that on the set, like on the phone, like I got shot with an arrow. I thought he was maybe trying to get like health insurance, not health insurance in the way that it ended up being like that. He was trying to get like a lawsuit or like that he was making a big deal of his wound or whatever. And I was like, Oh, it's happening. But it wasn't quite that. It was actually that yeah. he was getting his, 
medical bills and he turns around and is like, fine, just send me the bill of $10,000. $10,000. And he turns around and he's like, right. So this week, we're going to, today we're going to discuss the corrupt institution of healthcare. And I was just like, look, here's the thing. If you are not from the US, it, anyone who's in the USA, anyone who is in another country that's not in the USA, there's very few places that are as bad as you guys in terms of healthcare that are, you know, to be <laughs> considered actual developed countries with, you know, resources yeah. accessible. Your healthcare system literally to the rest of the world looks barbaric and insane. Like it's 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 scary. Like it's it's just not something anyone from anywhere else that I've ever met can can process. Like I just don't understand what and the arguments people make about it. Like the arguments that like people make against having government funded healthcare or like why they want private health insurance. It just doesn't make sense. I don't understand. Like. Can, I just don't get it, like, at all. If you Don't ask me to explain it. I, if something just, happens to you in Australia and you are a citizen of that of Australia, you go to the hospital and they fix it for free. Like, unless there's, same. like, some big... Like, I think sometimes like, there's an ambulance fee if you have an ambulance and it's not, like, a super emergency. And, like, you yeah, you, there are places you can go to the doctor... For free. If you want to see a doctor that's a bit more, like, exclusive, you can pay. Like, there are people who are, like, a private doctor and you can pay to see them. But there are clinics that basically they just charge Medicare. They just charge the government fee, which is paid for by the government. And, yeah, I mean, you have to pay for medication, but it's not as expensive, not even as close as expensive as it is in America. And I have private health insurance, which is basically for quote-unquote extras, which is, like, for dental and optical and, like, physiotherapy and stuff. And that's, like, $10 a week or something, and that covers me for extra things <laughs> because I wear glasses and I have teeth and stuff. So that's not free. <laughs> if you want to go pay a dentist, there's no Medicare on that. You just have to either have private or you just pay their full fee. But for actual medical treatment, if I got shot in the stomach with an arrow and I went to hospital and they fixed it, it would cost me zero dollars. Like, that is how much. It's the same here as well. Like, the second he said $10,000, I think I almost just choked on air. I was like, <laughs> no, that's that's I, a little bit excessive, right? And I, is don't, that... I don't think it is excessive. That's the thing. I've seen people put their medical bills online and it's like, the amount it costs to stay per night in a hospital. I've seen people come out of like, oh, I had a car crash or something. Yeah, my medical bills for like getting like my leg reset and surgery and being in the hospital for ten nights, hundred thousand dollars or something. I'm like, I don't understand how people live like that. Like, and I hear people of, oh, I'm dying. Like, literally, people who die because they don't have healthcare. And I'm like, how is that a thing? And it's because they literally don't have a hundred thousand dollars to pay for it. Like, I don't. How is that? How does your how's your country survived? Like, it's barbaric. It's insane. <laughs> I'm blaming you, Karen, specifically. <laughs> noticed. Oh, no, no, I, I feel like I should defend my country, but I honestly have nothing to say. I don't. Under, I just don't understand how it's gone down that path. Like, I don't understand where in history someone was like, we're not going to dedicate government money to that. 
and that it's become the norm, like, for you guys not to have that, and that, that it's become the norm for other countries to have that, and all of the objections people make to having health care, if you know what I mean. Like, to I have mean, it's a pretty... It's a pretty even split in the UK. Like, you know, we've got we've got the NHS, we've got the National Health Service, which is completely free. You get everything and that's absolutely everything for free through them. So if you need health care, you you can see someone. I mean, sure, in terms of like um, the smaller surgeries for stuff like just smaller things, non-emergencies, it sometimes gets a little bit difficult to get an appointment at like those because or like it might it's very basic like as in they're all very overworked and they you know might not spend as much yeah. treating you like as a special snowflake like a private place might yeah but we also have private healthcare here as well and you can opt to do that and you get through wait lists quicker you get through stuff quicker because you are gen- you are paying for the service so you know, it's a pretty even split. Like uh, in in my particular group of, of friends, I think half of us only ever use the NHS and the other half are actually on private health care because they opted in, they pay for it. I just, it's, it's a handle, I just can't handle the idea that people seem to have in America, not everyone, but like that these people seem to have that it's like people really have this attitude of, oh, well, why should I pay tax for other people to have healthcare, like if you know what I mean, like it's that attitude of like, well, they didn't earn my money. Is if anyone ever said that here, people would just be like, "What the hell are you talking about?" Because like it's like that's how tax works. It's like it's like so you can also have it just consider it paying your own fees uh, if you have to think about it like that but that people are so against the idea of welfare like that they think it's like some socialist stuff and that like the people are so proud of being so selfish like oh and that they take that as a point of defense that would never ever happen here like i i can't i cannot process the attitude i think we should probably move on from this but i i (laughs) i don't I just don't get it. I just don't get it. And, like, some of the arguments I've seen, like, for people, I just – it's insane to me that, like, is, is this the, like, American way that, like, you know, basically that they're so against, like, helping the the masses and, like, anyone else's problem is anyone else's problem? I guarantee you no one sits around here thinking, oh, my taxes are going to help other people. Like, people don't really think about that that way as far as I know, here. I have normal. no answers for you guys. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. <laughs> but, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Sorry about your health care. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so, I guess this sort of fits in with what we were just talking about, because Styles may need to uh, invest in some health care plans, because he <laughs> is in a lot of pain, and he's freezing cold. And I just... I feel really strongly that this is somehow related to Malia because she was freezing cold. And granted, they gave us an excuse for that, but I'm not totally convinced that that's exactly why she was so cold all of the time. So what do you guys think? I I don't know. I didn't really think about it in conjunction to Malia. I feel like that Malia story can't be just as simple as, oh, she's Peter's child, the end. Like, 
I feel like uh-huh. we've overblown that too much, so I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure either. I mean, there's, it, it's kind of really, really strange that they, the only, they've only used Malia twice, right? Mm. If you think about it, like in the Eichenhaus storyline and then just in episode two, and that feels really strange to me that they've given her so much emphasis. Like I'm still, I'm still so unsure whether sex actually happened between her and Styles. Like uh, I'm still on the fence yeah, of whether I, I know whether that happened or not. Like not in terms of like was the whole Eichenhaus thing real or not, but in terms of like that 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 scene was framed really weirdly for me, and it still confuses me. Like I'm still not sure if we're supposed to believe whether they went the whole. The yeah, whole nine yards now or not. She, now she's it's, pregnant with the Nagitsune's child. Like, oh, God. Just, but, you know, it kind of feels really, really strange that, so what, that's it? We're not going to follow up on that? We're not... There isn't something else that's relating to it? I mean, I sure, think we, there is. Because yeah. we were told that she was playing this super secret role, top secret role, and I feel like... Malia, so far, hasn't really been top secret worthy. I mean, maybe the fact that she's Peter's child is, but that doesn't seem that significant to me. I feel like you're right. There's got to be more to her story. And I'm hoping we get that in the next episode. I'm hoping we get something at least to lead us into season four, to give us something that kind of links kind of what happened at the start of the season with what happened with Styles to now. I mean, I want I want something to like lead us into season 4 so we find out more about her. I'm I'm she she kind of fascinates me in a way that I just I want to know more. I want to know so much more about her whether she turns out to be Peter's child or not. Like I'm not so sure that I actually believe that she is. Yeah, I'm still kind of iffy on that too. Yeah. I mean, that was just yeah, I don't know. They kind of, she was the only option, I guess, for like Lydia and Allison, like from what they know, for the basis of what they know and other supernatural creatures that they know. Malia was probably their only option because they don't know any other shapeshifters, right? But I don't know. I'm not. I'm not entirely convinced that Malia is actually Peter's child. I don't Especially think so since either. we don't necessarily know how Lydia knows that. Like, she told Peter she didn't know. That doesn't mean she doesn't know, or if she does know. You know, it's still like everything's up in the air, and there are these dots, and they're just not connected yet. So that's why I'm hoping we get more information in the next episode because we really need to fill in the blanks for quite a bit of things. Yeah, I I still think about Malia that I mean I'm as I said before I was very confused by the situation in that you know he t- she tells Peter she doesn't know either because she doesn't want to help him or she does or she wants to protect the person or something but then when she says to Allison like Malia Tate or whatever in the car you know is it just that she assumed or is it that she knows something and is lying about it or does she genuinely think it is Malia because she's taken the clues wrong? Or I don't know. It's very... This baby story cannot be this simple. I just don't believe it. 
Yeah, I agree. And, you know, talking about filling in the blanks to kind of jump ahead for a second, we have Allison and she graduates and she can make her silver bullet now, but she chooses to make a silver arrowhead. But the thing that really stuck out to me in this scene is she holds up the arrowhead and she holds up the bullet and she says there must be something that I'm missing. And before she can really think about it or vocalize anything else, she gets the phone call that Lydia has been found. This feels so significant to me. I thought this as well. I was like, what am I missing? She was like, what am I missing? I'm like, what? I got really confused by that too. Like what that even was meant to mean like it's like the arrow was unfinished or something is it like a metaphor that she like dies unfinished because they had enough metaphors in this episode like they had that arrow like one of the arrows like breaking and hitting the ground and Lydia kind of screaming at that or hearing that like later on so I don't know I was really confused by that too like maybe she's just being a perfectionist maybe it's like that Chris's was all polished and hers wasn't polished like yeah, I don't know. It does still, it does still feel like we're missing something. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff that, that I think we've probably. This is the thing. I think we've already got all of the pieces for the puzzle. We just haven't figured out how to put it together yet, and that we've probably got just one piece that's missing, and suddenly that'll just make everything fall into place. But I right. can't figure out what it is, and it's bugging me. Yeah, <laughs> I have a feeling though that it it must have something to do with Allison because I know that she died in this episode, and I feel that she really is dead. I mean, who knows what's going to happen from here on out? But I think that this is the big death that everyone has been talking about, the one that's going to stick. But the thing is, I mean, like to tie this in with the next scene, Voight talks about there being a trickster and he mentions the coyote. He mentions the kitsune. He mentions a raven. And a lot of people, because we got this in the promo after the last episode, were wondering, okay, is Allison the raven? Like, is she a trickster? And I kind of wonder if, if something else is going on there and maybe Allison isn't really dead but is like she has to die again or something i don't know i have so many theories running through my head that i i have no idea what's going on all season we've been saying something's wrong with allison she's evil i'm gonna feel really bad if it just gets to the end of the season and this is it like that i haven't been taking her taking her like pain seriously or whatever like that whole scene scene with sheriff stalinsky with the hug and all of that like again i i thought there was something weird and manipulative about it and i'm like is that just me being awful because is that meant to be genuine and I'm not taking it as genuine so I don't know I don't know what's going on and yeah well here's the thing because and we're going to talk about this more at the end of the episode but I really do have a lot of faith in the writing on this show I think it's amazing and right now so many things have been pointing towards Allison being a little bit shady. I mean, there are a lot of unanswered questions, and it worries me that we have one episode left and we still have all of these unanswered questions. And it just makes me think that hopefully everything's going to come together in the end. And, Danya, like you were saying, we're going to get that final puzzle piece and everything will finally make sense. But if that doesn't happen, I really want to know how they can, ex- how they're going to explain away 
the things that Allison has been doing or not doing, you know, like the phone call. We never got any more answers about why she received that phone call, why her phone was off to begin with. Just various other very little and subtle things that I think have been jumping out to us all season. If they don't get answers, it's just going to be so disappointing and confusing, and I'm not really going to know what to think about that. I think it it felt like, for me, that it was, I don't know, there was something about Allison's storyline this season that kind of started off kind of, and, and even the little threads we've had with her that felt like it was leading up to something more more than just what we got in this episode, which was her dying. I get the feeling that, or I personally felt that there was something more to it than than what we've currently got. And whether that, whether we'll get that in the next episode or not remains to be seen, but I really, really hope we do get something else, something related to Alison in the next episode that I mean- brings it back. Do you think she'll be in the next episode, like that Crystal has filmed anything for the next episode? I think it's a possibility. I think It's a definite possibility. I mean, even if it's just like a memory or some sort of flashback thing, or even, I don't want to say like a hallucination, or just thinking about her and it sort of being like a dream kind of thing, would make a lot of sense to me, but... I don't know if it could be anything more significant than that at this point. What if the Nogitsune goes into her dead body? Oh. Oh. See, that's sort of what I've been afraid of, that, like, there's going to be this whole trick where Allison comes back to life, or maybe she wasn't dead to begin with, and she has to die again. Like, can you imagine watching Allison die a second time? No. That I would cried enough this time everybody. Round, I, I, I genuinely cried enough this time around. I don't think I could... I, I can't handle seeing her die again. I think that would actually break me. <laughs> I mean, it's an, it's entirely plausible that that could happen. but Because going back... Um, what was it? The other scene with Styles and Isaac, where Isaac is saying, you know... Well, you're getting weaker and, and sicker. You're in more yeah, and more pain. Like, I'm going to be the one to say, you that... look like you're dying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks, you know, Isaac. <laughs> yeah. Isaac, telling it like it is. I love um, him. Oh, I can't believe how much I like him. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the thing, is that he's saying that, but what happens if Styles gets weak enough that, is that what's sustaining the Nogitsune in the other Styles' body? I don't like, know. Because if... he said, oh, if, if you're getting sicker, does he look like he's getting better? Surely like, yeah. that follows on to, like, if he's killed, you'll get all your strength back. But then it's like, oh, if you're killed, will he die? You know, if he's killed, will you die too? Like, yeah. that doesn't seem to follow on if he's taking strength from Styles, you know? Right. Yeah. I assume one of yeah. them is going to die, the Nagitsune styles or the real styles. Hopefully, <laughs> one way or another, we're, yeah. we're going to see Styles' Stiles, face probably die. Mm. Whether it's actual Styles or voice Styles. I mean, that being gonna... said, I was those scenes with the Nagitsune and Lydia in the tunnels and, you know, where she, she was, and just the way that she, he talked to her and the way he got up, 
I was literally being like, I didn't even recognize you as, now that they're separate, like now that we have Styles acting as Styles and The Void acting as The Void, I don't even like see them as the same. Like they don't even look the same. Like I don't yeah. even, I don't know. I just literally completely took them as different characters, which hopefully is the yeah. point, but yeah. Good acting, man. When you can have the same actor do those two things pretty much back to back, and it's just that well done that yeah. they feel so different. Imagine it's how freaked out you would be, like on the cast, like having yeah, and like turn that on, like. Oh man. Oh my Crazy. god, and I kind of want to do that if I ever meet him. Be like, can you can you do bo- you do voice <laughs> but then I'd be really upset. <laughs> oh. Uh, in the next scene, we get Coach saving Meredith, which we've talked about before, but what I wanted to say here was that Meredith is, like we said, the Banshee, and on Wolf Watch, they did say that Meredith is going to be heading into Season 4, so I'm actually really excited about that, because we know Season 4 is going to be a bit more of Lydia's season, and hopefully she's really going to start understanding her powers, And I have a feeling that while Meredith has had her powers for a little bit longer, I don't think she necessarily knows exactly how they work either. She's got a little bit better of a handle on them than Lydia does. But I would really like to see these two kind of team up and try to figure (laughs) things out together. Can you imagine how hilarious that would be? I really (laughs) like Meredith. I think she's hilarious. Her and Lydia is like... Because she doesn't seem to realize she's a banshee. It's not like she's like Lydia and other people are just thinking she's crazy. She clearly doesn't know what's going on, but just goes with it. And yeah, I would like to see them as a team. That would be hilarious. I think it would be really interesting. I think that would be so interesting to see. Just because I really, yeah, I really did like Meredith. Yeah, I loved her line about Isaac being a Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that was fantastic. The the whole, yeah, I, I, like, you know, yeah, she's my girlfriend, and her being like, you're not my type, and Stiles is like, yeah, obviously we have a lot to talk about. <laughs> it, was... it was so nice seeing funny Styles back. Like, even though, like I said before, even when he was in Eichenhaus, like, it's very muted. It's not the styles that we knew in season one or even season two, but even just that little bit of humor after these past few episodes is really, really nice to see. Yeah, it's good to see that he is himself and not too traumatized. I mean, I'm sure there's some trauma in there, but, you know. He's trying to cope with it. (laughs) Yeah, I think he probably hasn't had enough time to process it yet. I mean, it's not. Like, everything isn't over, so I don't think he's had enough time to stop and really think about everything that's happened. I mean, clearly it is affecting him, especially, like, that little car trip bit Mm -hmm. where they're all in the car together. I mean, you kind of get the feeling that he... It's there, it's lingering in the back of his head, but it's not the pressing issue for now for him to be all post-traumatic stress disorder kind of thing it's right. it's kind of they need to get on they need to stop the nogitsune before before he does any more damage yeah things just haven't slowed down enough for him to i think really take into account everything that he did and they have this pressing matter of trying to stop everybody that he literally cannot stop to just 
figure out what's going on and how this is going to be like going forward. And I think that's kind of sad, you know, I mean, everything that he's been through to kind of just have to keep trucking on and not be able to rest. But I wouldn't imagine in a million years, Styles would just be like, okay, I'm going to sit this one out, you know. So yeah. I think it, it does make a lot of sense, even if it is unfortunate for him. Now, the next scene was kind of a big one. But at the same time, I feel like a lot of people, Ugh. us included, I'm pretty sure, thought it was a bit anticlimactic. So basically, Agent McCall finally spills his big secret. And I definitely want to say that this this is a big deal. I mean, it is important to note that Agent McCall was an alcoholic and he did accidentally hurt Style or Scott. Uh, Scott fell down the stairs and hit his head, and that's why he left. Melissa kicked him out, and Agent McCall stopped drinking after that, and he left, and he hasn't been back since. Um, so I definitely don't want to like belittle that situation, because I think that is a big deal, and it is really sad, and those sort of things do really happen. But at the same time, it wasn't really what I was thinking it was going to be. No, I mean, I'm really confused by this entire situation because, yeah, as I said, it's not like it's not a big deal, but I don't understand pretty much anything about what what happened. Like, Scott's reaction, like, we had him sort of be like, hey, this isn't a big deal. Like, kind of not like, oh, I forgive you, but, like, that's why you, like, didn't come back, if you know what I mean. Like, stuff happens and you get over it, so if you didn't show up before now because of that. That was just his, Scott's reaction to me was quite weird. Like I understand that he didn't care, but it was quite weird. And the whole thing that like Melissa was meant to feel guilty about is it like you think that Scott will hate you because you told his dad to leave, as opposed to his dad just leaving, if you know what I mean. Like, and then yeah. is McCall like Scott's making McCall feel bad for never coming back when it was actually Melissa that told him not to? But I don't really. We don't know if that's the case. We don't know if it's like Melissa told him never come back or if it's just like McCall was too ashamed or whatever. Like, this is just – and nothing about this really makes sense. I don't know. It was strange. I think think the way that I looked at it was Nogitsune Styles, Void Styles, I guess kind of preyed on the kind of the victim-blaming kind of thing that we get, that, you know – you you stay you can stay in these abusive kind of relationships and you try and hold it together mm. you try and keep it together for your family and because you think you know she clearly was probably still in love with him and you know that was her husband that was the father of her son and you know she probably was trying to like keep it together and to kind of eventually just tell him no enough is enough and get out you know for me that's that's a really really strong thing to be able to do to be able to just say no you know what that's it yeah get out that that is such a strong amazing brave thing for Melissa to have done but you know I think the Nogitsune kind of was trying to play on the fact that you know we victim blaming is a huge thing in this sort of instance you know that kind of I don't know I don't know how to verbalize this in in well I mean in the right way but 
Yeah, I mean, my impression that was that it was trying to make her believe that Scott would be angry. You know, he thought his father was, you know, a douche who left of his own accord, I guess, and just, you know, yeah. buggered off uh, and didn't realise it was like that Melissa told him to leave. And then, you know, she, he thought that she would – Nigitsnay tried to make her think that Scott would hate her for – I guess keeping that, like every time Scott was like, ah, dad's such a dick for leaving, you know, her not saying, actually it was me because he hurt you or whatever. Like, I just don't, I just don't get like, how are we meant to think Scott would react? Like, I don't think that that's a thing. Like, it's a really weird thing to. Two things here. I think one, it's important to note that the Nagitsune feeds off of chaos and strife and pain. And by saying that, even if it wasn't true, but by kind of putting that thought into Melissa's head, he's feeding off of her feelings. I mean, we know that that's what he does. So I think for that, it does make sense, even if it isn't necessarily the truth. And the second thing is that Scott's reaction, I kind of had to think about this for a little while because I was a little confused by it too, because it did seem like he was sort of accepting of it at first. I was like, wait, what's going on? And I think the thing is that it's not necessarily unforgivable for him that McCall was a drunk and that he did that thing. Maybe it was an accident. I mean, that's totally possible. I mean, it seemed like it was because it shocked him quite a bit to completely stop drinking. Uh, And not to say that it's not a bad thing, but I think that's something that can be forgiven with time and with effort put forward on McCall's part. However, the fact that he's been gone for, I mean, years and years and years and probably hasn't really had any contact, that is unforgivable to Scott. And I can understand why he is so pissed off at him because he hasn't been a father for a very long time. And for him to just kind of come back and think that telling his dirty little secret is going to be is going to make everything okay, it won't because that's not the terrible thing that he did in Scott's mind. If McCall really regretted what he did, if he really felt remorse for it, if he really wanted to reconnect with his son, he would have cleaned up his act and he would have made the effort to reconnect with his family sooner whether that would have been through making sure I I guess not coming home I don't I don't necessarily mean yeah putting himself back into their lives directly but at least having some kind of contact with Scott you know trying to like call him find out how he is what's happening with school even I don't know offering for Scott to come and and visit him for like a weekend or something or during a break or or that kind of thing if he had I I don't know if he'd felt genuine remorse if he had wanted to kind of extend that olive branch it should have come a hell of a lot sooner than it actually did and I mean I think that's what Scott's angry about um that you know it's like I don't care that this happened I care that you didn't face up to it you know before yeah you know and and that's it like you know I don't think it's a matter of agent McCall not caring enough but he was clearly driven by shame and that overtook I mean not that I really feel sorry for him because this whole plotline was really stupid but um (laughs) sorry but it was it was like 
we've been wasting so much time on this. I want a secret family, goddammit. <laughs> I don't, I don't <laughs> actually, but... Um, I but, think that would have been a lot more interesting. Yeah, but, like, I'm like, this is... Just, uh, and, I mean, I guess some of it is kind of, like, you know, some of it might be that, like, we're meant to be, like, looking at, like, how, like... I literally wrote down, is this plotline just to show how much of a blustering idiot Agent McCall is in terms of, like oh, he thinks that his problems are the biggest problems in the world and he has no idea, like, what else every, everyone else is dealing with, if you know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. see, the thing is, with him not coming back sooner, I feel like I can understand that because, like you said, in his mind, like, this is such a big deal. And I think that's why it was kind of awkward with Scott's reaction because we had built it up so much because we saw everything that everybody was saying about it and was thinking oh it's this huge thing and then it turns out to not be and i think scott's reaction was more on point than anything like, else really like really i really don't have time yeah. for this right now <laughs> like, like seriously <laughs> my best <laughs> friend is possessed by an agitsune i don't have time for your crap right now yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> pretty much <laughs> yeah that's pretty much exactly it in the grand scheme of kind of things that are going on in the show, that's not the most pressing issue. No. It's... Here's what I want to think about. He came home. Scott and Styles and Meredith came back into the house and they had that whole, like, yeah, Styles took Meredith and Isaac upstairs to, you know, torture Meredith or whatever it was that they were doing. Isaac was already in the house with Agent McCall before Scott got home. Can you imagine <laughs> that conversation? <laughs> Oh man, not not really. <laughs> yeah, it it'd just be a You're lot like, of like. So you kind live here like... now. Why is that? <laughs> like, it's like my family is all dead. Yeah. Thanks for asking. Missing <laughs> <laughs> uh, out on that Tumblr account. Where's I am Isaac Leahy and my family's dead. Where's that Tumblr account? Oh God, I'm sure it's out there. It's gotta be. <laughs> Speaking um, of this, like, internal conflict between families, though, we have Kira sort of facing off with her mom, which I really kind of liked. I like this idea that even though Mrs. Yukimura has a lot more experience and she obviously knows what's going on, Kira, even though she may be a bit naive, because I really think she is in some ways, all of them kind of are not that they don't take the situation seriously, but sometimes I'm worried that they're a little too hopeful. And I think that Mrs. Yukimura, for all of her faults, is kind of realistic. But at the same time, I like the fact that Kira is saying, no, Mom, you're wrong. Like, we can do this. We c you just need to stand by us. And so she does face off with her mom. And then the Void Styles ends up taking the power of the Oni. And... Now that all of Mrs. Yukimura's tales are gone, what does this mean exactly? I mean, obviously she's not dead. That's what we thought was going to happen. Do all the Oni have to die before she dies? I've got a feeling it is that the the Oni dying, but I didn't exactly follow the entire go process. Like, because, they, you know, she tries to teach Kira to play Go earlier in the game, and Kira's kind of like, ah, this is a waste of time, and he's like, you know, she kind of makes it out to be this big thing, and then the dad finds their sort of abandoned game and was like, these pieces look like your mother's style, like, aggressive, like, and, you know, she was like, yeah, because she was, like, showing me the Nagitsune, and 
And he was like, are you sure about that? And I didn't kind of understand that whole sinister thing. Like, does it? was I missing something there? Was it like that her mother was tricking her about going to try and kill Styles again? Is that meant to be all it was? Because I didn't think she was ever not trying to kill Styles. I got a bit confused. Yeah, I think there's kind of two sides to this. On the one side, I think that she was trying to distract Kira and to sort of have her sit here and study this game. But I also think it was almost not a clue on purpose, but I think in the context of the show, it was a clue to Kira that, okay, her mother's style is very aggressive, what would an aggressive person do in real life? She's going to go straight for the Nagitsune. And so I think that sort of made Kira realize what was going on and where her mom went. So although I I was kind of hoping that game was going to kind of have like a bigger overall, not a plot point, but sort of like a reason and a little bit more of a significance, I think really those two things are are what got Kira from point A to point B. I also kind of, what really stood out to me was when they were arguing, uh, when they ended up at, you know, Oak Creek, when they all tracked each other to where the Nagitsune was. Kira basically saying, maybe you don't want us to, you know, admit, maybe you don't want to admit there's a way to save Styles, or maybe you don't want us to save Styles, because if that's true, there might have been a way you could have saved Reese, but too late for that, because he's all burnt up and dead, if you know what I mean. I might be paraphrasing a bit, but... (laughs) <laughs> but I don't know that was kind of a bit of a jab uh do you think that that's that's true like you know because you know no Shiko is very much this is my cross to bear I did this so I must end it and uh Kira's kind of like well are you just like kind of taking this stance because if you had you know had this sort of opportunity in your time you could have saved Reese but you can't so you're like if Reese don't get to live no one get to live if you know what I mean I did kind of get that feeling just a little bit in in terms of like but this is this is the thing is um they put such an emphasis on if you don't learn from the past you're doomed to repeat it you know that's exactly what mrs yukimura is doing she's she's not open to new experiences or learning or other potential ways of solving this she's very very narrow-minded in that no, this is the only way to solve it, and this is how we're solving it, and that's it. There's nothing else. There is no other way to do this. There is only killing the Nogitsune. That is the only way to solve this. And it's kind of, it is very, very narrow-minded. And, I mean, it's kind of that they're trying to pose all of these alternative solutions, which are very viable as well, because they they're based on a lot of aspects of mythology and and all of that stuff and she just doesn't want to know and it's kind of they were trying to hammer home that message of if you don't learn from the past you're doomed to repeat it well you know that's exactly where she was leading it and I think I I almost get the feeling that a lot of the stuff that happened at Oak Creek has kind of been almost led that way because of her being so aggressive and because of her not wanting to listen to anyone else. That's what I was trying to say earlier about the difference between Kira and her mom. Her mom is very realistic and strong, but I do think she's narrow-minded, like you said, and very proud. And that doesn't mean, you know, just because she has all of this experience doesn't mean that she's right. 
Kira, on the other hand, is very young. She's just starting to get into this world. And I think in a lot of ways, she's very naive. But her positivity and the hope that she has to save Styles, that doesn't mean that she's wrong either. And I hope that after this happens, and now that the Oni are on Void Styles' side, that maybe Kira and her mother can start working together now that Mrs. Yukimura doesn't have the Oni to back her up and have this sort of presence that she can just send out after Styles and I think she's going to have to attack this problem in a different way and hopefully she'll look at what Kira is doing and be willing to help her with her plans. Yeah, I mean the very last shot of them in the episode is sort of they're sort of clinging together and stuff so perhaps they will be a bit more uh, on the same side now. Right. Kira yeah. Probably hasn't seen her mother. I mean, actually, they were playing Go, but, like, they're still very, like, oh, you're 900 years old. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, speaking of that final shot of them and that whole final scene, we might as well get into it and (laughs) get it over with, rip it off like a Band-Aid. But, yeah, so basically, Allison has died, and I think... The first thing that I want to note that I'm not sure everybody is quite aware of is the reason why Allison was killed off. And that was something that was decided between Crystal Reed, the actress, and Jeff Davis. Crystal wanted to move on from the show. uh, And as far as I know, there was no bad feelings or anything like that. She just wanted to do different things, be different characters. And in an interview, she said she gave as much as she could to Allison, and she felt like she couldn't take her any farther. And so something like this sort of felt like the right end for it. So I think that's important to note first and foremost. I think the other thing from that interview that I I took as well is that she was actually contracted further than, than season three, and they actually released her from her contract. Mm-hmm based on her wishes, is the other thing that I took from it as well. Which Which Jeff did not have to do. I mean, that I don't know much about the industry. I don't know if that is super common or not, but you have a leading actress, literally the female lead in a television show, wants to lead, is still contracted to the show. They could have said no, and there was nothing that she could have done about it, but I think that's just a testament to how close the cast is and what everybody means to everyone else. And I think that the way that they went about solving this issue and sort of making everybody happy, except for us, of course, because I think we all cried horribly, was a really great thing. And I think that it's definitely important to keep that in mind. Yeah, I think the standard, uh, it's probably different for networks and all sorts of things. I think the standard is like a first season, you have the one-year contract because people don't know how the season's going to go. And then after that, I think the standard, unless edits are made to it, for a show is like a seven-year contract. Like, so the people, the leads are like, okay, if we get seven years worth of show, you're basically locked in for that whole time. And if they break the contract, it, you know, is a big deal. So for her to want to leave and be released from it means that she did want it quite, you know, quite a lot. And uh, we don't, tend to get into a lot of, uh, you know, personal issues of the cast, but her and Daniel Sharman used to be publicly dating and they're now not, presumably. And uh, obviously she had that plot line with Isaac. And I don't think that's something that necessarily affects 
people too much in terms of I think there've been plenty of shows where like people were together in the show or together in real life and then it goes weird but you know a lot of people did suspect that either her or Daniel would be the one leaving just from rumors of what had been seen or you know who'd signed on for season four or you know who'd been seen on set and that kind of thing and I guess if she's the one that wants to to leave Teen Wolf now uh she might have something on the horizon that we don't know about yet you know like you know she might just be she I know she mentioned in in interview she's undertaking her first pilot season like so trying out for you know all the new starting shows so she, she she could be getting a show on another network or something like that but it was very much her choice rather than just like oh we want to kill a character sorry bye to someone which I think is quite a big deal and I think in terms of what they could have done with her with the the character arc that she had up to this point mm. her dying as per what we've had from 3A, 3B, is probably the only way she could have left. Because she wouldn't have walked out of Beacon Hills yeah, I mean, and left her friends behind. I kind of want to read out this piece of feedback. We've, we've got a few, like, you know, we obviously want to talk a bit more about Alison's death and the situation uh, surrounding it and what might happen. But, you know, all of the feedback that we've got here is about Alison's death. And I just I just want to sort of read out this one because I have some thoughts that sort of tie into it. And it's in regards to sort of Alison's death versus other deaths on the show. And this is from Bo Hawkins on Tumblr who says, Parts of the fandom are incredibly hard on Jeff Davis in ways that I find incredibly unfair. One frequent criticism, though, is somewhat valid. Far more female characters are killed off than male ones. I wrote a post about this and basically concluded that none of the female deaths feel egregious. I think the actual problem is several male characters have lived who maybe shouldn't have. Natalie brought up this issue on Twitter, and if it comes up, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the podcast. Well, yeah. Here's the situation. I mean, it's Alison dying as opposed to leaving in some other way is causing a relative amount of drama in terms of her being, you know, a female protagonist dying where we've had, you know, quite a few females die and not very many male characters die. We've had Matt and Boyd die, but every other really bad guy, like, who's been a guy... Uh, hasn't died like Jackson I mean I didn't really want Jackson to die but like Gerard Peter uh Kalian, you know Ennis died so that's a, another guy but like versus every female villain that's had of, has died as well as a couple of female protagonists and I've seen like every chart about this I've, I've seen the percentages I know that it is a, a big divide and yes I actually agree with this post in terms of I haven't ever felt like, oh, that person shouldn't have died, especially with like people like Gage who wanted to leave the show, um, Gage Galatly who played Erica. So I don't feel like the female deaths are egregious. I do agree with this in that there's probably male characters who should have died and not been like left as possibilities to come back. Like, And, I mean, yes, maybe they wanted to do something with those characters, but if that's the case, they maybe should have had some female ones left to do something with it as well like I think Carly could have probably had a pretty interesting ongoing arc if she'd not died I think I think Jennifer should have died I, I really loved Haley and I really loved that arc but I think that that wouldn't have ever been a redeemable story or even like a future antagonist kind of story Carly and Erica and I mean I, th I think the thing is with people dying and I mean and this is kind of a big thing with Allison as well 
if someone is leaving the show and they don't want to kill the character, they have to dead. And this is kind of really, you know, people might not particularly like me saying this. If a, if a person leaves the show and they are not dying, they have to dedicate a lot of time to constructing a plot in which they just, you know, which would lead them to choosing to go elsewhere, if you know what I mean. Like, Cora and Jackson both left. And yes, they were done quite swiftly, but I think everyone was a bit confused by Cora. They, they kind of just shoved that in there because they found out that Adelaide was leaving. It wasn't a planned thing. Alison, Crystal had planned to leave for quite a long time, like nearly a year or whatever. And if they had sort of had her plot, you know, if they decided to make her plot, you know, her leaving, uh, for, you know, it, it would have involved Chris have probably having to leave too, and they probably didn't want JR to leave if he didn't want to leave. They probably would have had to have, um, you know, a reason for her to leave Beacon Hills again, when which wouldn't have made that much sense given that she, you know, the character of Alison fought so hard to come back to Beacon Hills with her dad and make a life there in the way that she wanted to it would have been, like, what could have possibly, like, driven her out again if, like, her mother's suicide and all of this, like, whole world turning upside down didn't. Uh, she wanted to come back there and be in the pack. And she she did that, you know, and so to make a plot line that would have been believable that she just left to go somewhere would have sort of not made any sense with the overarching plot of the show or the development of the character. So I feel like the only way that she would have left there is is by out of her control if you know what I mean the character that is so I think that it does fit that Allison died I don't think the problem here is that Allison herself died I think that people are making it part of a bigger possibly existing problem which is a shame because yes I you know the figures are there in terms of that problem existing but it means it's taking away from this particular incident as a valid plot point, which I think it is a valid plot point, whereas ones in the past may not have been, if that makes sense. No, that definitely makes sense to me. I mean, in in terms of what we've got from Alison, as she's come so far from, like, season two, and it, it was kind of amazing, like, the, the way she'd come and she'd started to redeem herself from from season two, from from after everything that happened there to where she was in three B, you know she would do anything for her friends. She she changed the code of her family, and she went down fighting because that's the only way she would have gone down. Yeah, I think that her dying in the line of fire is far more believable for her character. Like incidentally, dying in the line of fire is far more believable than having to construct this plot that actually really backpedals the character for her to have some reason to leave them. Like, I actually think that it does make a lot of sense, and I understand that people yeah. are lumping it into this problem, which is a shame, because it's a shame the problem exists, because it's taking away from the vil validity of this point, if you know what I mean. Right. Yeah. I completely agree, and I think... I think we're probably in the minority and maybe this will change as time goes on and people sort of accept this sort of thing. But although it made me really sad to see Allison go, um, because obviously she's such a huge character and she's come such a long way since that pilot episode we saw so many years ago, I think that her dying like this was so heroic and really kind of beautiful and that ending scene was really amazing just sort of 
it was a Scott and Allison moment, and I really, really loved it. And I think that from a writer's standpoint, this is a really bold choice for the show. And I mean, I mean obviously, they didn't really have a whole lot of choice having to do this because Crystal did want to leave. But when you kill off your main female lead character, that's going to shake some things up. And I'm just, it makes me really excited actually for season four, because we're going to see a lot of character development, particularly I think from Lydia and her trying to discover her powers, because I think she's going to feel really guilty and she's really going to sort of throw herself into, okay, what is a Banshee? What does she do? How do I control my powers? I can't let this happen again. I have to protect my friends. Yeah, and, you I know, mean, in terms of Scott and Kira and even Isaac, too, I mean, they obviously had a very important thing. It's going to be really cool, I think, to see where they go from here and how they interact with each other. I mean, on the yeah, on one hand as well, I was thinking like a show, you know, a show based in horror and based in supernatural drama and violence, like Teen Wolf is. It's actually also, I mean, this sounds a bit cold-hearted, but it's also really rare. It's going to be really rare for for a show to ever get the ch- the chance to kill off one of their lead characters. Like that sounds really bad, but like, yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Because those contracts do exist and like people don't necessarily want to leave like their jobs and stuff like that. So like for someone to be like, you're going to die now. And they're like, Oh, I don't want to leave the show. Like, you know, kind of thing. Like, which I haven't heard too much of, at least with teen wolf. I've heard of it on other shows. People like, I didn't want to leave the show. They basically decided that they wanted to kill my character or whatever, you know? So, so for minor characters that can kind of be expected, but there's very, very, few opportunities for a show to kill off one of its lead characters uh and and be able to actually have that huge drama of a storyline that's actually like a really big opportunity for them and I feel really bad saying that but it's true so that's like so if someone comes to you and it's like look I want to leave I'm really sorry about this they're like well cool I suppose like I think it was it kind of reminds me of the end of season two of the the Doctor Who reboot when Billy Piper decided she wanted to leave as Rose, which she did come back for some of season four. But, um, you know, I've read her autobiography and sort of what she said about that almost sounds exactly like what, what, um, what Crystal said in this interview of being like, you know, she feels like she's given all she can to her and it was very upsetting. And then she had doubts about it and that the creator was like, well, we're going to give her like, the best ending like that no one will ever forget and that kind of thing and that oh god that's end of season two of doctor who with them like trapped on both sides of the wall in the different universes is just horrible Stop. <laughs> god oh. it's bad so yeah but that kind of and like she said that kind of crystal said that jeff said like nearly kind of the same thing to her and that you know it's it's really like it is like a really good opportunity if if someone does want to leave like it is it might as well be something worthwhile and I think that this did sort of fit for Alison in terms of like character development I do think there's going to be a fair amount from Lydia because one thing that kind of surprised me in this episode was when she showed up I mean Meredith said to her you know said to the guys oh she did she said she doesn't want to be found and then she was like why did you come here didn't you get my message but earlier Lydia was saying it was kind of slurred and I kept trying to rewind it and catch it she was like she was like, they'll find me, they're, they're going to find me. Was she saying that about the Oni or was she saying that in like a negative way? Like, oh, I don't want them to find me? Because you didn't actually hear her say 
they're going to find me? Or was she trying to, like, dupe the Nagitsune? Like, I don't really understand I, what happened I kind there. of read that more like she was trying to to dupe him to kind of... Yeah. She was taunting him almost. Mm. And that's how I read that with, with Lydia and the Nogitsune. I don't know that I would have believed... I would have hoped as Lydia that they wouldn't have come, that they'd have heeded the warning. But I don't think deep down I would have believed that they wouldn't come for me. Yeah, because she rode right. in the car and then we don't know if she knows she was talking to Meredith or if she, Meredith was just sort of tuning into her thoughts or whatever. But that whole yeah. thing kind of kind of confused me. But, yeah, I feel like that Lydia is going to be somewhat wrecked by this. Uh, especially oh, yeah, definitely. Given that, I mean, yeah. her and Alison have had an interesting friendship. I mean, one of the entries we had for our contest of guest listeners talks about Alison and Lydia and how Alison is almost when when Lydia befriended Alison it was almost like Alison was kind of going through the motions of being like a girly friend if you know what I mean and I totally agree with that not that I don't think she didn't care but it was like like she didn't really know how to do that but she kind of developed this friendship like Lydia just adopted her and because of what all they ended up going through together they developed this thing that was so you know so close and despite the fact that they are very different types of women and yeah it's uh I think Lydia is going to be somewhat you know messed up by this uh which I mean more than anything what Alison died for Mm. in in this episode was to save Lydia's life I mean that's why they were there yeah. That's what they were for. It was to save her best friend, the one person that she probably trusted and loved above everyone else because of, of all of the people involved in, in Allison's life, Lydia is probably the only one who's been that constant since mm-hmm. she came to Beacon Hills. I mean, from season one to three B, Lydia has been almost her rock because she's been there through everything and they haven't really ever been at odds you know they've been there for each other they've respected each other they've both wanted to protect each other you know they they confide in each other and and they did they trusted and loved each other and I don't even mean this in in a romantic sense I mean this in a in a there was a love there was a a very very deep friendship there and she was there for Lydia this is this is things she so she died for that she died for her code and it's her code and I think that's what people need to remember is that we protect those who cannot protect themselves was something that Allison came up with and that's what she she died upholding you know and and I think for deaths that could have been fitting that was probably the most fitting thing that we could have had for her you know she she stood for that she believed in it and she fought for her code, for her friends, for Lydia, right up until her last breath. And I thought that for me, that was, I don't think there could have been anything more, more beautiful in terms of Alison's character arc. Like, for me, that that's what brought me to tears, is that, you know, she died fighting to protect something that she stood so strongly for. So, yeah, making myself upset. <laughs> oh. And then her actual death 
obviously Scott was there for, which was interesting in that, you know, it's kind of a, you know, he was the one to sort of go to her and, and, and what she said to him is interesting as well because I think it was relatively scripted, but something that that uh, Crystal also said in this interview she gave about leaving is that that final scene, she was like, I don't know how they're going to end up doing it because I haven't seen this, you know, probably would have been given, be- you know, well before the episode aired. But she was like, I don't know, I haven't seen the final cut and that things always end up looking different or they use different takes to what you're expecting. But in that final scene when she was dying, you know, she was talking to Scott and she had those lines about, you know, you were my first love and stuff, but that, you know, she was then saying to him, like, I love you, present tense, etc. And apparently one of the producers or something, I don't know if it was Jeff or if it was someone else, was like, no, 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 don't say that. Like, she she doesn't love him now. Like, she loves Isaac now. And Crystal was like, no, she doesn't. Like, if you know what I mean. Like, and it's just one of those interesting circumstances where sometimes you sort of think about how much an actor is attached to their character or how much they think or believe about their character or, or how much they just trust in what the writers write and that they if they take the writer's word as powers that be, as word of God, or if they have their own opinions about the character that they believe more strongly from playing them. And that does seem to be a thing that's happened in this circumstance in that Crystal believes that, like, you know, no matter how she feels about Isaac or whatever, that she never moved on from Scott and that Scott was always, you know, so important to her. It wasn't just a throwaway, oh, yeah, we've all moved on now, it's all fine circumstance like they probably always believed they were going to come back together in some way and uh and I know some people have thought that about Alison as a character it's interesting that you know that's something Crystal thought and that she sort of took control of that scene that's something that I was adamant about from the beginning and I think that was one of the things one of the reasons why I wasn't upset when they broke up in season two at the end of it, because she says, you know, there's no such thing as fate, and Scott says there's no such thing as werewolves, and I was like, yes, these guys are endgame, it's okay if they break up, and, you know, other things happen in between. I truly felt that they were going to be together in the end, and although I think, you know, that's disappointing that they're not going to be at the same time, I feel like it's okay, and I know that some people think that they kind of threw in Kira as, okay, well, we have to replace our main female character now, and she's got to be this new love interest and everything, but I think Kira is someone in and of herself, and she's very different from Allison, although they do have a lot of the same strengths. She has her own personality, and she doesn't feel like a replacement, And I think it's going to be really interesting going forward to see how Kira deals with the fact that Allison's dead, but also seeing her deal with the fact that Scott is obviously going to be mourning somebody that he loves still very, very much. And so I'm interested to see where their relationship is going to go from here. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that there won't be too much romance on the terms of Scott or Isaac, mm-hmm. I feel like next season might be a bit Styles romancy if it ends up being all okay. I feel like he, he hasn't had anyone that he, you know, was in love with die recently, so uh, <laughs> he might have the chance to get some romance. But again, if it's with Lydia, she also might be like, I'm depressed, don't come near me yeah. kind of thing. So, yeah. Um, I mean, I saw, I saw 
I can't remember what article it was. It was an article on a website that said a little bit of, you know, for next season, you know, would this whole thing with Lydia and and her feelings over Alison throw her more into Styles's path? Mm. And I don't know that it will, because I mean, I know that obviously the the characters are differentiating a little bit as well between Styles and the Nogitsune, but I don't know how easy it would be to kind of disassociate herself from how Boyd Styles treated her in this yeah, episode as I well. I feel like cause... no one is going to be in the position for romance next season, honestly, and that's fine. I... But like, hey, maybe they'll have time I... for the sheriff and Melissa. Maybe that's how they're going to make time for the sheriff and Melissa romance, but yeah, have all the kids think... be traumatised. I think season four, it would be incredibly interesting to see romance go completely on the back burner and there not be any developments in terms of like Dating. them hooking up and, and getting together and, and doing that. I would love to see All the season. impact. <laughs> yeah, I just, I'd, I'd really like to see the impact of this in, in terms of how it affects the friendships, how it affects the kind of the familial relationships between like Styles and his father and Scott and his mother. And, and I, I'd love, I'd really, really also love to see scenes of support between the sheriff melissa and and chris yeah i i really really want to see like a realistic depiction of like i mean allison was a huge part of this show she was massive and it's gonna have long lasting impact on every single character i was just thinking like even on someone like coach i mean coach's last memory of allison is going to be he was failing her in his class it's kind of Oh, I have so many feelings about this. It's just, it's going to have massive impact throughout the entire show from from main characters to to side characters, teachers, you know, everything. Because she was so ingrained into, into life in Beacon Hills in such a short time. How, so, how do they explain these deaths at, like, the school or whatever? Like, it, like so many people, like, violence, <laughs> even if they're not like, oh, she was murdered, like... So it's not like, oh, she had cancer or, oh, she was in a car accident. Like, so many people at the school have, like, died violently. Like, how do they explain this? I don't understand. And are they going to, like, have a time jump in season four? Is it going to be, like, or is it going to be, like, a funeral? Or, like, how, how you know, do you think it's going to be, like, Aww. it's been four months and we're not over it, but we're, like, dealing with it as opposed to, like, immediately dealing with it? Oh... I'm not sure if I would prefer it being a time jump or if I'd prefer to have the, the closure and see a funeral or a memorial yeah. or something along those lines. I'm not entirely sure which which of those options I'd prefer. I mean, I guess if they did do a bit of a time jump and we didn't see a memorial or we didn't see something like that, then I would... I would absolutely need to see it explored very, very carefully exactly how this is affecting everyone. I mean, without that kind of initial closure, they would probably have to spend a lot more time focusing on the effects of Alison's death. Mm. But I don't know which way I'd prefer it to go. Karen? I don't know. I mean, it's so 
hard because she was such a huge character. And, I mean, to tell you the truth, like, I'm most interested in the reactions of two people, and that's obviously Lydia for so many reasons, but also Chris. Like, Chris has lost everybody, and... He's still I got Derek, it's okay. He does, <laughs> and, I mean, <laughs> I really think that he... They might even get closer yeah. because of this, but... Chris has lost so much and he chose this way of life and he chose to have a family and to bring that family up with this way of life and the guilt that he must be feeling and everything. I just, I can't even imagine it. And I don't like, this is going to sound really harsh, but I don't know how he's going to go on. Like I'm actually really worried about his mental stability. I don't know if he's going to go off the deep end like Allison did, or if he's just going to completely shut down or if he's going to become a better person in her honor. I think that it could go any one of those ways. And I really hope that it's the last one and that he does team up with Derek more and, really tries to get to the bottom of, you know, the hunters and what was going on with who was shooting at Ethan and Aiden, because I have a feeling that'll lead into season four. But, you know, the whole thing is just so tragic and intense, and I think it's really going to have lasting influences for quite a while, as it should, because she was such a huge character. Does anyone want to uh, look at any of the other feedback that we have here? The the first, the first one, I think... Um... I actually had a very, very small discussion about this with Jen, who's been a host on here, guest host on the show. Yeah. You've probably listened if you if you've listened before, guys, but I had a very, very mild uh discussion with her like early hours of this morning about this one, which is basically Do you wanna read was the possibility of biting Allison to save her to make her a werewolf mentioned at all. I mean it was never mentioned in in the scope of the show, but I was talking with Jen this morning because I think she said something along the lines of why didn't Scott give her the bite? And and my response to that was, well, the two instances of, or I guess the three instances of someone taking the bite have been like, it's taken a long time for it to take. So with Scott, it at least took overnight mm. for it to take and to actually start changing his his physiology, mm. like to, to start healing himself. Mm. And with Victoria Argent, the same thing. It took what looked like about 24 hours for it to start actually changing her genetic makeup to start her healing herself. And then with, with Paige, it, it took hours for it for her to start like rejecting it properly Mm. the bite so I think it's entirely possible that Scott could have bit Allison but I think it would have been I I don't think it would have done anything at all I just Uh, had a really like you just mentioned Paige and I'd kind of forgotten it my God, I can't believe Derek Hale went around biting more teenagers after that went so well for him, by the way. I just remember that. I was just like, God, like if you knew that was such a risk, why are you doing it? But oh well, he, he wanted to make yeah, himself I think Sorry, go on. Yeah, I think that's probably why they didn't go in that direction with 
Alison and Scott in that scene because I think she was too far gone by the time Scott was there. And I think they knew that. And I think it just, it wouldn't have done anything. And I think it probably, if Scott had bitten her and she'd still have died, I think that would have, I hesitate to say cheapened the scene, but it wouldn't, I don't think it would have had the same impact because it would have kind of transferred the guilt to Scott. And I don't think that's, that's something that that scene needed because Scott's storyline doesn't need to be fueled by guilt for Allison's death. It, it's not needed. It's not required. So I think the bite in, in this instance just wouldn't have, have fit in at all. I, also, I, I think it would have been the wrong choice. I also kind of think that like he probably wasn't even thinking about himself uh, in terms of being a werewolf at that point, if you know what I mean, like that he was just yeah. a broken boy, like, and he hasn't been an alpha that long, like there's no way that yeah. would have been, he, he's not a born werewolf, if it was Derek in that position, he might have had that thought, but um, there's no way that it would have necessarily been Scott's automatic go-to, yeah. you know what I mean? Plus, besides that, I mean, Scott was very adamant that Styles had never asked for the bite before, and he was hesitant to give it to him. And Allison, considering her past, not only with her mom, but the fact that she's a hunter, like, I don't think Allison would go to the extreme that her mom did and kill herself because she was, I mean, obviously she was dying, but you know what I mean. If she was to turn into a werewolf, I think that she would have lived with it because she was much closer to the werewolves than her mother had ever been, and she kind of understood that it wasn't the end of the line and that it was okay to be a werewolf and there were good ones. But Scott, I can't imagine him being so selfish as to just do it without asking for permission or without having talked to someone beforehand. Mm -hmm. So for me, it does make a lot of sense that he really just wanted to comfort her as she was dying and to be there for her. I had like a very, very vague kind of things that I would love to think about happening either in season four based on some mythology and another thing that could link back to the Raven comment that you made that I was thinking about earlier today. And when I actually read up and uh, then you sent out the notes for today and had the Raven comment in it made me go, oh, that's quite interesting. There could still be, I don't want to give anyone false hope, but there could still be like potentials to bring Allison back into the show without actually bringing her back to life, so to speak. Yeah, so not, not bringing her back as Peter was brought back. But there are other ways that they could bring her into the fold, into the show, in other ways. And one of those ways, I thought, would tie in really, really closely with Lydia's storyline for season four, because we've, I think it was uh, Holland said that season four is Lydia's season. And I think, you know, Alison's death probably ties really closely into that, in the, is there a possibility that, she could start hearing Allison's voice because we know that she hears dead people, but you know, is there a possibility she could start hearing Allison? Is there a possibility they could start communicating that sort of stuff? That's something that I had been thinking about too, that, I mean, we don't know the extent to the of the Banshee powers, but it's obviously connected to death. And I think 
if I mean, we've seen that Crystal possibly could be on for season four. And even if she really is dead, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. If that is if what we saw is true. So I don't know. I mean, I think that would be kind of cool. I mean, they brought Victoria back and stuff for, you know, little cameos. And I think if it's going to work with anybody, it would definitely work with Lydia. Yeah. The the other thing I was thinking about was it was kind of um one of those things where I was like, oh, this is just a ridiculous uh, headcanon kind of what I would want for Allison in in death. And then I kind of started thinking, oh, hold on, there's actually some mythology based on this, like Celtic mythology as well. But um, the Valkyries, I was thinking, you know, in in death, I would. Because they brought up Loki and and all of that before and Balder and and all of that in the, in 3A with the mistletoe and all of that and I started thinking oh wouldn't it be cool if if Allison became a Valkyrie but then there's also the the Celtic warrior goddess um, the Morrigan who's very very similar in terms of the Valkyrie where they're kind of they honor the souls of the dead and and they choose whether someone dies in battle or not. But the thing of note is that the Morrigan from Celtic mythology um, may assume the form of a raven. Yeah, I think I've heard that before, actually. Yeah, so that when you wrote that in the the notes for today's podcast episode, I was like, oh, actually, that it's it's one of those things where it's like, oh, this is a silly little headcanon thing that I would love to think of. You know, after after death, she become a warrior in death as well. I mean, or at least at least something relating to it, but yeah. I mean, presumably Crystal is still trying to leave, so she's not going to have that much time to come back and do cameos or voiceovers or whatever. But yeah, you know, perhaps it's part of her contract, like you know, contract release or something. It was just thinking of things that you know could give her the potential to come back if she wanted to, yeah. or at least would give her the option to drop in and have like cameos yeah in episodes rather than becoming like a recurring character or or a main character again yeah I mean one of the other things that I was curious about about this entire death thing I mean and it may have just been a total red herring is that there were some um shooting sheets released for next season like there were like and again it, it may have been a total purposeful misleading leak but there were definitely, like, call sheets of, like, scenes being shot for episode 401 and 404 that had Alison, like, had Crystal, there were scenes between Lydia and Alison and Crystal was on them. And I don't really understand whether, and, you know, no one saw her shooting. These are just call sheets. But that could either, you know, I'm just wondering about that, whether it could be, like, a, you know, her doing you know something that Lydia is hearing or whether it's a complete red herring that was like leaked to make people not be able to guess who was dying like you know like what what do you think about that at this point I think it's a possibility that it's a red herring but I also think it's a possibility that she could be showing up and maybe doing some things with Lydia or there could be a flashback or like a remembrance type of thing at at the beginning I don't know but I don't necessarily think that this is the end of Crystal, even if it is necessarily the end of Allison. I guess that that is sort of all 
we can really say at this point about Alison. Uh, we don't really know where it's going to go from here or whether she's going to be in the episode next week or anything like that. Did anyone have any kind of suspicion during the episode that it was going to be her or that it was going to be someone else? Like, did you kind of have any, like, foreshadowing or anything like that? I would have bet money it was going to be Isaac. Really? Just from him getting yeah. sliced up? Or did you mean before that? Uh, both. I kind of had a feeling for a while that maybe it would be Isaac because he felt like enough of a core member that it would make an impact, but also like enough on the outskirts that it wouldn't be one of the main ones. And I mean, from the beginning, we've been kind of wondering if it was Allison, and that's sort of always been in the back of my mind, but I figured if she was going to die, it was going to be in the finale episode, and I wasn't sure like how many deaths, how many major deaths we were going to have, but when they started slicing up Isaac, I yeah, I was too. like, yeah, this is going to happen. Crap. And then <laughs> everything was happy. And then everything was really, really sad. So <laughs> it definitely, I don't want to say it was a shocking death, but the way that it happened was really surprising. I mean, it was just, bam, all of a sudden she's run through with the sword and, and it's kind of happening. And that's the part that I wasn't really prepared for. Danya? Yeah, I'm I'm the same. I mean, I really didn't want it to be Allison and Crystal. But as as you are both aware, <laughs> I I said prior to 3B that I I I pretty much convinced myself at that point that it was going to be her. Mm. And I I'd, I'd said it, yeah, prior to 3B, but I I, I mean, don't know. not to gossip, but I think anyone who follows Teen Wolf on a production level and is kind of aware of what goes on in the fandom is relatively aware that Crystal uh, had reasons for wanting to leave or was not the closest person in the cast to the rest of the other people in the cast, which is doesn't necessarily mean anything for a job, you know, and she definitely is close to some people in the cast, but, you know, uh, she does, you know, a, lo- a lot of the others are, very, very close, and, and there's some that I could not imagine leaving, whereas I could imagine her opting out, like, if you know what I mean. Yeah, so as as much as, as much as I thought it was going to be her, I still, I still don't think I was emotionally re- prepared to actually see it play out on the screen. Mm-hmm. I thought I would be, with, with everything that we had, all of the build-up to this, all of the kind of... <laughs> the Twitter coverage from MTV and and everything and I thought I would be more ready to say goodbye at this point but I think it just made it worse (laughs) Um, I think I think it hit me harder because I kind of I'd worked myself up so much by this point that seeing it play out on the screen just kind of hit me really hard and especially because I love Alison I love Alison so much all these, so. uh, yeah, I mean, I, all this stuff I kept throughout the episode, I kept being like, oh, my God, like about all different people. Again, in the back of my head, I was still thinking Alison because, but then I was thinking maybe I duped myself into thinking that. Like there are a few things. I think there was the scene in with Alison and Isaac in the car had some music that made me think, oh, yeah, it's going to be one of these two people. And then the scene with Chris and her saying, you know, what she needed to say and making the arrow, oh, she's going to graduate and then she's going to die. And then I'm like, but no, maybe that's too heavy handed. and Maybe it's meant 
you're meant to think that it's her and then they're going to spring someone else on you. And then when Meredith was sitting in the classroom with Danny and Coach, I was like, oh, my God, it's going to be Danny or Coach because she's there to signal their deaths. <laughs> and especially when Coach was being so epic, I got really worried. Cause he's, if they kill he, off Danny. He was being if they kill hero. off Danny, so help me. <laughs> he was a – and then I was kind of getting a bit worried that it might be, like, surprise Derek, like that you thought that it was going to be someone at the big battle at, at Oak Creek, but that it was actually – Derek getting like shot through his window in his loft by whoever this freak is that's shooting at people and then yeah and then Isaac was getting sliced up and I'm like oh well if it's going to be one of Alison or Isaac maybe it's going to be Isaac because again I'd seen the call sheets for those things involving Crystal and I think Daniel has not been seen on set I mean not that we see everything on set but you know Daniel hasn't been reported by any fans as being seen on set for season four though I'm sure he is returning at this point. So I, I kept going back and forth. I mean, in the back of my mind, I always assumed it was going to be Alison, but then I kept getting tricked throughout the episode, basically. Yeah. I, I will not lie to you guys. I'm really sorry. The whole time I had my fingers crossed going, just I was just being like, please not Derek, please. Literally had my fingers <laughs> crossed being, please not Derek. So, yeah. I was kind of willing to take anyone else. <laughs> oh. Derek um, has such a hard life already. He doesn't yeah, need to die. He, or, on top he of already that. had like a Derek's dead storyline earlier in season three. Like, but then he that, wasn't really dead. So, and he kind of had it in season one as well. Mm, yeah, he did. Too. Oh, Derek, you've died twice already. You've had enough death. Yeah. <laughs> God. <laughs> Instead oh, of the boy God. who cried wolf, the the boy who cried dead. Oh no. No. Um, we should probably get out of here, I suppose, uh, so so that we can uh, get this up for everyone in time. But yeah, so Karen, did you have a, a non sequitur for us, or did you have anything else to say about Derek's death or anything like that, like Derek's multiple deaths or anyone else? I'm not talking about Derek's death. That's that's off the table for me. Um, but yeah, I do have a non sequitur, and it's happy and cheerful, of course. Uh, no, it's not. My question is, what's the worst injury you've ever had? I don't know. What about you, Donya? <laughs> that was the accident I had the, the other day is probably the, the, oh, probably the worst yeah, thing that I've yeah. done. And yeah, I can't tell- go into too. I can't go into too many details, uh, obviously. But basically, uh, I ended up with uh, shards of glass stuck in my hand because someone neglected to mention that uh, there was smashed glass on on something, and I basically ended up having to pick shards of glass out of my hand. Obviously, absolutely fine. Uh, it's healing quite well. I'm okay. <laughs> Uh, but it's still kind of a little bit painful. It's it's really weird. It's just it's kind of one of those things where it's like, don't withhold information, guys. If if you've broken something, don't withhold. Can you give it to someone else someone. to uh, look at? Yeah, please, please tell them. Don't don't withhold something like that because someone could end up seriously hurt. I I didn't end up as badly hurt as I probably could have. But in in terms of, like, injuries, uh, funny thing, never broken a bone, never ended up in hospital for anything, never needed stitches, never needed anything. So I've been pretty lucky, all things considered. 
yeah I tend to have more silly accidents than anything else so like cuts that aren't too bad usually I'm a little bit clumsy at times Mm. I trip a lot I end up with bruises more than anything else (laughs) but yeah I've never really hurt myself badly I haven't broken a bone either. I have been to hospital because I have an autoimmune problem. So I've been in hospital for things. It's not really an injury. But mm. I probably, when I was in high school if I, or, or even younger than that as well, I, I, I've done stuff to my ankles a few times. I've done, like, I've had, like, either a, a fall off something or a fallen down. I once fell down the stairs at train station really badly and I've, damaged my ankle like for like you know I don't know tendons whatever like really bad ankle sprains uh and I actually did that last year literally just by putting my foot down wrong on something that just felt weird and that has had an ongoing effect like every day when I wake up now still it like kind of hurts to put my foot on the floor so that's something I'm gonna have to get looked at but yeah the worst was probably I literally like fell down the stairs at um train station um I don't even know how I did it just put my foot down wrong and and really damaged my ankle for a long time that would have been in my last year of high school and then a few years ago when I was living at the house I lived at before now uh the landlord had like a big pile of like pipes and like junk like kind of from renovating something else in in we had a massive yard and anyway it had this big pile of stuff against the shed and I was getting something and I kind of put my head up and I basically knocked a massive gash it, it wasn't even massive but a massive but it bled so much because it was my forehead right on my hairline like center of my head hairline on my forehead and uh and yeah basically it was just like had blood all over my face and in my mouth and someone had to come and oh. clean clean me up it wasn't a big deal and the head wounds heal fast but they also bleed a lot so I was like covered in blood and kind of freaked out so that was fun how about you Karen um, well, my story's pretty good. I am a total klutz, too, although most of the time my injuries aren't very serious. I've never broken a bone, which will probably surprise some people, but I have had stitches. When I was 10 years old, I was climbing a tree and it was dead, so that wasn't the smartest thing to do. And I was a good, maybe like, five, six, seven feet off of the the ground, like from the bottom of my feet down. That's how much space was in between. And the branch that I was standing on was just like a little nub of a branch and it broke and I (laughs) fell straight to the ground and that piece of branch sliced open my leg right near the knee. My heart is like going. (laughs) Well, obviously I'm okay. I know. (laughs) I just I don't like heights and I couldn't have lived through that. I would have just oh. lied down on the floor and died. Like Well, it's funny because well, I I was only 10 years old and I ran screaming across the yard and my dad like once I got on the porch, he like laid me down and he had to call the the ambulance and everything. Totally forgot my birthday, which 
I'm never letting him forget that. Was it your and birthday that it happened on? No, no, but he, like, they asked him how old I was, and he was like, when oh, were you born? Oh God, what year? And I was like, Dad. <laughs> and, but he, like, checked the the yard, and he was like, there's not a single drop of blood out there. I ran so fast across the yard that, like, <laughs> all my blood stayed within me. But uh, what I was really excited about believe it or not, was that I was 10 years old and I was in room 10 and they thought they were going to have to give me 10 stitches and they ended up giving me 11 stitches. I was so disappointed. And I wanted to watch them stitch me up and they weren't. (laughs) So, and then actually what's even more interesting. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I'm a little weird, but they, they stitched me up so tightly and they said I wasn't going to have a scar And now I have this massive scar on my leg because they stitched me up so tight, it actually pulled all of the skin. And so when my aunt, who was a nurse, was taking the stitches out so I wouldn't have to go back and, like, be charged money to have the stitches removed, I was screaming bloody murder because they were in there so tight and they were all, like, crusted up and stuff. It was was a pretty horrible experience, but, yeah. Yeah, thank you for sharing that with everyone. I do not feel good about that story, Karen. <laughs> I don't really climb trees anymore. Oh, good, good. That's good to know that we will have a repeat of that then. Cool. Okay. Um, so I guess that we should go now. Next week is the season finale of season three for Teen Wolf, uh, The Divine Move. So any any predictions as to what The Divine Move is going to be? No, I don't even want to think about it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, I just need it right now because I'm really stressing out over what's real, what's not real, and what's going to happen. And Yeah. And if you guys get to watch the episode, not you guys specifically, I mean the listeners get to watch the episode before I uh, get to watch it um, in Australia. I mean, not that I wait long, but like a few hours. Please don't tweet spoilers in my direction. Not that anyone did this week, but they came very. A couple of people came very close to it, being like, "Oh, I never want to watch Team Wolf again. I'm so sad," or whatever. Not even at the podcast account directly at my Twitter account, because I managed to watch this episode unspoiled by basically putting my phone in my bag while I had to go out, and then not looking at it at all until I got home, which is very stressful for me because I'm very attached to my phone. Uh, <laughs> so I was really unspoiled, um, which was good, and I'd like to do that for this week as well. Yeah, but we shall see, I suppose. Anyway, I guess we'll leave you all now, and thank you to Donya for coming on uh, at her late night time in Wales. Yeah, Wales. I'm we'll used s- to it at this point. Uh, it's all good. And I guess we'll see you guys soon. It's quite soon till at the, basically this. Uh, it's it's the 19th of March now, and on the 19th of April we'll be bike conning, so that'll be fun. Ah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yay. So close. And oh uh, yeah, I'll see you guys soon, I guess. And that will be fun for everyone. We're having fun at the moment. Like, <laughs> Donya and I have had to like use a go-between to check that we're not getting the same presents for each other. It's really <laughs> bad. It's real. I'm like, hey, you tell her, and I'll tell her, and she'll tell us if we've fucked up, if we've uh, <laughs> if we've gotten the same thing or something. And it's it's ridiculous. We're good though. But it's, I, think. I think it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, we'll see you guys, uh, whoever's coming to BiteCon then, and we'll speak to you guys next week, I suppose. So, yeah, we'll say bye for now, and a 
final farewell to Alison Argent. So, yeah, goodbye, everyone. Bye. Bye. You'll be lucky one. Waiting for the center When the summer comes Drags you from miles So you cover up As the weather starts to change and you settle in And the business it remains And I had to try so hard not to actually cry every time we were talking about Alice <laughs> Oh really? I, I did cry in the episode, but yeah Oh, I cried so hard I know, it was really bad I was like because I didn't want to wake up the guy who's in the room next to me oh, but yeah I was sobbing like actually Aww. sobbing I was just oh, yeah <laughs>